Hello, readers. Welcome to 20 Questions with Your Favorite Author, where we ask authors important questions like, why would you agree to be on this podcast? I'm Kelly Lynn Colby, Editorial Director at Curse Dragonship Publishing. And our guest this week is Laurel McGarg, writer of Life, Real and Imagined. Laurel lives in the Colorado Rocky Mountains, where it is currently snowing a lot right now. And she lives and laughs and publishes and podcasts and raises ducks. And she loves life. And if she's not your favorite now, she will be after. See, I just kept going with that bio, man. There's so many interesting things on there, Laurel. <laughs> well, let's just start. Let's hit it. Let's go. Going to hit it? You ready yeah. for our hard-hitting questions? Yes. All right. Here we go. We got the tough one. Ready for the first one? Ready. Where do you get your ideas? Well, before I answer that, I wanted to answer the real first question that nobody oh. ever answers. Why Why would I want to be on your podcast? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right? How come nobody ever answers that? Because I, I have a really good answer that, for that. And it's like, you are such a good questioner. You have so many great questions. You're an awesome listener. And I'm also like always blown away by what you know, because like people will be saying stuff and you will have a tie into it. So that's why I wanted to be on this because you're an awesome host. You're an awesome and generous host. So. Oh, well, thank you very much. That's the best question ever. Thank you everyone for coming tonight. I think we're done. That's all we needed to know. No, you're amazing. Thank you very much. I'm just here having fun, man. <laughs> Me too. Me yeah, too. See, see? And so right. speaking of fun, where I get my ideas. Oh yeah. my goodness. Um, I get them from all over. I get a lot of them from my dreams. My water white series started with a dream I had and I shared it with a friend. I've had, I dream in Technicolor and I have since I was little and I would always go down in the morning and say, oh, you wouldn't believe my dream. And my parents would roll their eyes because they knew a long story was coming. Right. <laughs> so I've done this forever. And, um, the water white dream. Yeah. It started with me running away from bad guys and it went on from there and there was a flying frog and there well, was, there, it, 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 there were all kinds of things. And then as I was writing it, I had more dreams and so other characters came from my dreams, but I also get ideas from like walking around. I live in Colorado and it's gorgeous around here and um, it, looking at a mountain, a friend of mine, can I, can I name names? Sure. Uh, my friend, John Stewart, not okay. the really famous one, but the one who lives in Leadville, he was my walking buddy and he pointed out on Mount Massive, there's this outcropping of rock halfway down and it looks like an old man's profile with a long beard. And I had never seen it before. And I'm like, oh my gosh, old man massive needs to be in my story. So I got that idea. And then I was looking at the top of the, the mountain and the crisp blue against the mountain. And in, in my mind, I saw just like standing at the top of the mountain, I just visualized this sheer drop off on the other side. And so that gave me an idea for a scene. Um, what else? Conversations that you hear little snippet. Somebody might say something funny and that becomes an idea for a short story. Maybe. Um, I also do writing contests. There's a, I really like NYC midnight. If anyone has heard of that mm -hmm. and they do contests all year long, they do yeah. micro fiction, um, flash, you know, thousand word to 2,500 words. They do screenwriting things all through the year. They have these challenges and they're really reasonable 
and they'll give you like at midnight on a Friday, they'll give you a genre, an object, and something, a character. And you have 24 hours or 38 or whatever to come up with a, a story to fit that. And so sometimes I get my ideas from that. So <laughs> I have some friends that do that like every year over and over again. I'm like, you're so brave. I don't know if I'd be brave enough to do that. Well, the good thing is, it, and I, I'm kind of a binge writer. The good thing is, is it really gives you a short suspense and you get feedback. You get feedback from about three different um, readers and they will tell you what they really liked about what you wrote and what they th would th uh, think would need a little bit of help. So I just think it's great. So yeah, from people, um, again, back to, back to Waterwise, I needed to have a lot of uh, young characters in it. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, characters with superpowers. So I would ask little kids that I would see in different places, like what their superpower would be if they would have one and you know what their name was. And of course I'd always ask the parent and that's, <laughs> how, that's how I met Bridger. And I'm like, I never would have come up with the name Bridger, but this little five-year-old boy Bridger told me that his superpower would be to build things. And I never would have thought of that. He Who was properly named. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it, he just fit into the story so well. It was, it was incredible. So That's yeah, fantastic. I get ideas from all, from all over, but I think it was, who was it? Was it Stephen King or was it Neil Gaiman who said Stephen King said that he gets his ideas from his brain. So <laughs> basically that's where they come from. <laughs> I like your answer better. Okay. So Kevin has a question for you. He wants to know, have you ever named a duck egg before the duckling has hatched? Oh, now see, I only have five khaki Campbell female ducks. I, oh. got them, I got them when they were this big in the mail, in the mail. Oh, and my mom does chickens. So she gets hers in the mail too. So she gets, yeah, them. so cool. So I specifically wanted females for the eggs, not for the hatchlings. So I haven't hatched any yet. Gotcha. So the, the answer to that is no smart that, like no. Kevin. No, I have not. <laughs> Like, have you, ever, have you ever named an egg? I'm thinking, no, I don't name the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. This one's breakfast. This one's souffle. This one's, that's what I would name them. Yeah, frittata. <laughs> there you go. See? Let's see. Dave wants to know, based on your puzzle book, which we're going to talk about too. Thank you, Dave. Based on your puzzle book, I need to know the great jigsaw question. Do you do the edge first? Oh, well, of course, because <laughs> that's the easiest, right? Mm -hmm. And I talk about that. And if you read it, you'll, you'll hear about that. However, since I wrote this book, I've been getting other kinds of puzzles that don't have such specific edge pieces. Um, there's a company in Boulder called Liberty Puzzles. And then there's another one called Unidragon. They're wooden puzzles. And every single shape is a whimsy shape. They're all different shapes. And you have no idea what the edge pieces are. And even some of the, some of the ones that look like a, it's a corner or look like it's a straight edge, they end up not being that. So if it's a regular puzzle, yes, I do. I do the edge pieces first. I, and the book Knock you hold up. Easy stuff. And just so for, the, for our audio listeners who couldn't see it, so that book is piece by piece. Piece by piece, 10 lessons from a jigsaw puzzle. Excellent. Man, that was fun. That's nice. And it's piece like piece sign by piece as in pieces of the puzzle. Yes. So, yes. And so that, that is a thread that goes through it. Finding peace. As like you're puzzling it. and as you're doing other things, it's, it's fun, fun life lessons. Life I lessons. Find, 
I like it. I find uh, piecing together puzzles is very peaceful unless the cat gets involved. Then it's stressful. Very stressful. <laughs> they don't have very good, you know, N no. coordination. No, they don't. <laughs> I'm like, please quit helping. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of writing, where's your favorite place to write? Generally in the kitchen. And a lot of times right at the kitchen counter because I, I don't like sitting a lot because you tend to sit a lot when you're a writer or a reader or anything else. And so I try to stand at the kitchen counter. And if it's not at the kitchen counter, then it's in the living room with my feet up by the fire. Nice. Good. You know, I was thinking of retiring that question. So thank you for giving me a good answer. Yeah. The past five I've asked, they said right here. I'm like, well, that's boring. Give me something colorful. <laughs> the kitchen. Because that way you can like, you know, eat popcorn while you're writing. Well, standing's good though, right? Because I can't stand it at is. my desk. I don't have a fancy standing desk, but at my counter, I can stand because I'm short enough. It's no problem. So that works great. So yep, yeah, perfect. counter's a good height. Just make sure no one's doing dishes while you're working. Well, that's me. So really, <laughs> this is not a problem. I'm not that good. I can't multitask writing and dishes. So, um, so covers. So you have, you write in such a wide um, variety of genres. How do you choose your covers? Well, um, there's a company called 99designs.com. <laughs> And that's where I've had all my really beautiful covers done, the, the really complex ones done. Although piece by piece, 10 Lessons from a Jigsaw Puzzle was designed by my co-author's daughter, uh, Sarah Collier. And, and she did a beautiful job on it. Just, just simple and lovely. Um, I, I did my own cover for a couple of them using Canva, canva.com. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, free program, really easy, user-friendly, drag and drop stuff. Um, so, yeah. It works that well. Too. Very nice. So I started reading your Water White fantasy series this morning. And Celeste sets out on a journey from an orphanage to find her missing parents across a land of wonder. So what drew you to this kind of adventure and coming-of-age story? The dream. <laughs> so I, I had not written fantasy before. Uh, my first book was Miss, and that was a very loosely fictionalized book based on my first year of teaching seventh grade English in a school that ultimately closed. Oh. So when I, when I had this dream and shared it with a friend, mm -hmm. she said, oh my gosh, you need, to, you need to write a children's book about that, you know, using the elements that were in my dream. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't thinking children's book so much, but I thought, ooh, this could really be fun turned into a young girl's adventure. Mm -hmm. So I, my head just kind of exploded with the idea because again, it was a new genre. And mm -hmm. when I started writing that, I knew that I was probably going to write in as many genres as possible while I'm still alive. That's a goal right. that I have right now, but the, the fantasy adventure just, you know, I was teaching in the, in the uh, public schools and I, you know, I know kids, um, and again, my dreams just kept giving me these rich scenes and characters and problems. And I just decided it was going to be a blast to write. And it was. It really That's was. Awesome. Book one rolled out of me. No planning at all. It just one scene led to another, led to another. Completely pantsed. Completely <laughs> pantsed. It was ready to be birthed. It was just there. Yes. Yeah. Totally by the seat of my pants. I did that one. Um, then of course, when I finished it and it could be a standalone, but when I finished, I really liked my characters and I thought, well, you know, I didn't really answer what had shattered the planet 
So I decided I needed another one. And now the second book, when you do anything more than one book, then you need a plan. Because, you know, you have to remember everything that you put in the first book. So book two, I planned, but not a huge amount. I basically had three different storylines working through book two. Mm -hmm. And so I did, and I knew that I wanted it to be about the same amount of chapters close. And so I did some math Mm -hmm. to break down how many chapters I need and how many pages per chapter. And then I I basically just did a a sentence, you know, chapter one, two, three, in in each of the three storylines. So that took planning. And then book three, I knew how I wanted the whole thing to end. Uh, I knew, but I just didn't know how I was going to get there. And I had just read um, The Hunger Games mm. and and it uh, loved The Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. And it so inspired me to try to do a first-person perspective for the last book. And so my last book, I just, I pantsed my last book. Well, you didn't kill everyone, did you? I'm not going to say. Oh, going to break my heart, man. That, that yeah, series I, broke my I heart. Love, I love my ending. I love it. All right. You know, some characters have to go away. Well, I mean, otherwise it's not real if there's no stakes. I get that. Right. But it's not, no, it's not Hunger Gamesy. Okay. That's what I wanted to know. Am I going to be depressed after reading it or? (laughs) And I've had, I've had some different feedback on how I ended the series and most people after initially thinking, hmm, came around to understanding why I ended it the way I did. So Interesting. Wow, now I'm intrigued. I love it. <laughs> Let's see. Um, you have, well, you, so you talked about teaching. And I was wondering, because with your Water White series, you have a classroom guide in the back. So what do you hope educators are able to achieve using that? What, what, what do you want them to do? Well, um, I, I didn't dumb down my language in this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, vocabulary is important, I think. Mm -hmm. And so because I didn't do that, I decided I'd put a, like a synonym glossary in the back of each of the books and questions for discussion. And I figured teachers could use this, you know, I I taught English, I taught language arts. So I know about things like figurative language and themes and symbols and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. So they're all in there. And I think teachers could use each. and, And I did that for each of the books. They have synonym glossaries and questions for discussion in the end. Excellent. Let's see. Um, a Raven named Skylar says that those cover, uh, she loves your covers. Oh, thank so, you. Can't stop I, do looking too. At I do too. Uh, Romanian twins designed these from really? 99 designs company. Yeah. And if you're not oh. sure how it works, it, yeah. I mean, people from around the world compete to design your covers i ended up with romanian twins designing mine very happy with them well they rocked it they did a good job and kevin wants to know um do you keep a dream journal for idea keeping i should that's your answer that's it that's all you get (laughs) well i figure it goes back and forth right some people do and some people don't some people do at the beginning and they change their mind as they get you know as they they start to write more it's it's you know back and forth I journal, I journal. And if I happen to remember my dream when I wake up, mm-hmm. I make an an attempt to remember it before I get out of bed. Because if you don't do that, it's gone. Yeah. Um, yep. So typically I figured the ones that I'm going to remember are the ones that I'll journal about oh, or nice. write a book. About. <laughs> Makes sense. There's the ones, if they just stick with you, they're the ones, they're the ones. 
Let's see, if you could write in any world that wasn't your own, which world would that be? World that wasn't my own. Ooh, magic mirror. Uh, no, Matt, no. Uh, I, <laughs> this is going to be completely two different, <laughs> two different ones. Magic school bus. Okay, perfect. Because I love Miss Frizzle uh-huh. and I love those episodes. Or Black Mirror. <laughs> yes. <laughs> talk, talk about two complete opposites. But again, that's, you know, that's how I write. I write happy and I write crazy and I write scary and I write creepy. And But Black Mirror, oh, I would love to get in on that. Oh, it's fantastic, right? Like they brought that short, like the Twilight Zone, the stuff that, you know, we grew up with. They they brought it alive again and it's gorgeous. Yes. So cleverly and done. Mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you think, right? So you have the short story that's entertaining, but it makes you think. And I love that kind of stuff. Me love too. Black Mirror. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Didn't even think of Black Mirror. Now I want to write in Black Mirror. I mean, they're still <laughs> making that. We might be able to. Let's see. Roger wants to know, talking about Black Mirror and the darker themes, um, Roger wants to know, what's your inspiration for Dark Ebb? And Dark Ebb was a a short story collection, right? Dark Ebb, Grim Tales. Yes. Um, My inspiration for this, I guess, came from the short story competitions that I started doing. And I had no idea that when I write short things, they go dark. I just, it totally surprised me. So a lot of the, some of the genres that I was assigned uh, were horror. And when I wrote my first one, I thought, Ooh, (laughs) something's coming out here. I don't know where, and I don't know why, because I'm a pretty optimistic, positive person. (laughs) No one would suspect this of me. (laughs) But it's in there somewhere. (laughs) It's in there somewhere. I know. And so, Every time I have an opportunity to write something short, I try to find the dark element in it. And I'll read these to my husband. And like one that I read to him that I haven't published yet, it'll go, it'll go in my next collection. He asked me if maybe he should sleep downstairs <laughs> after I read it to him. <laughs> it's just so. You're like, no, honey, that's brain. why I write it down so I don't have to live it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know why. Um, I, I didn't have a bad childhood, really, even though, you know, I was jealous of my four other sisters all the time. But I really didn't suffer too much. So I, I don't know where those dark things come from. But my muse, I have a dark muse lurking about. We can't have just one that's boring. But right. I'll tell you one thing. Your husband's never going to leave his socks on the floor again. That's, it's <laughs> oh, he does <laughs> not he's way neater than I have ever been in my life <laughs> I'm a lucky girl <laughs> That's awesome. um let's see if you could spend the weekend with one of your characters who would it be and where would you go oh just one I have just so one. many characters just one. oh I I think I think it would have to be Kamugwe he is the water god that you will meet in book two, Water White Flux. Um, I knew I needed a water god. Uh, Odin makes an appearance in the first book, mm-hmm. and she needed to go between a couple different worlds. And I didn't want to use Poseidon or Neptune or, you know, kind of yawn. Everybody knows them. And so I did this search on water gods. Um, the internet is an amazing thing. And there's a list about a mile long of water gods. And I went through the list and I was trying to figure out 
you know, which ones I could pronounce, first of all. And then I stopped on a K. And I didn't have any characters with K names. And there are a lot of characters in, in, in the book. So I'm like, oh, Kamugwe, I guess that's how you pronounce it. Easy enough. And I started reading about him. Oh, my gosh. He is such a cool water god. Like, so cool. And then I got goosebumps because there were tie-ins with him and his characteristics, tie-ins to my book one that I didn't even anticipate. Really? So oh, I would want to I would want to hang out with Kamugwe. In his world, because he would give me the power to breathe underwater. Yes. And I, I always loved, you know, the Jacques Cousteau uh, <laughs> program. It, this is aging me, I know. Um, I, oh, I, I, am of, I am of an age now where, where I say things like, I am of an age now. <laughs> but I loved Jacques Cousteau, and, mm-hmm. and the underwater fascinates me. So, yeah, I would have to have lunch down in Camogue's underwater castle. That's awesome. Yeah. That's the perfect answer. If you get to hang with the character, make it a guy. Duh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Duh. That's good. That's good. I like it. Let's see. Uh, Vicky wants to know, Do you, since you write in you know, this large spectrum of genres, do you write at different ends at the same time? Like, are you working on a horror book and a fantasy book at the same time? No, uh, not really. So the, the short stories, my dark short stories, I do throughout the year. And so I feel like I can do those anytime while I'm working on something else. Um, I, I'm kind of working on something memoir-ish, but I'd rather really work on a new one that I'm working on. But we'll get to that later. But so I guess the answer is short stories I can do all year round, regardless of what else I'm writing. Excellent. And then do any, Roger wants to know, do any of the shorts inspire ideas for full books? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do that too. That's my problem. I write the short story. It's supposed to be a one and done. And I'm like, oh, but this world, the things I could do. Yes. Or or, or a series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, there's not enough time. I know. <laughs> but when you said earlier, I'm going to write as much as I can for as long as I'm here. I'm like, me too. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. So many ideas. Yep. Totally with you. Um, oh, Vicky loves your, um, your dragonfly oh, necklace. Yeah. You. Yeah. Vicky loves dragonflies. But tell, tell her about your dragonfly character. Oh, yes. Really cool. So, oh, and this is another place I get ideas. So I was uh, paddleboarding on mm-hmm. Twin Lakes out here in Colorado. And this dragonfly kept flying over the bow. Is the bow the front of my paddleboard? Tell you weren't <laughs> in the Navy. Navy girl. <laughs> Navy girl, the bow is the front. Yes. <laughs> so, again. Uh-huh. kept flying over and over and over and over and I'm like oh so I need to have a dragonfly in mm-hmm. this series and I was in the middle of the water white series and so I thought well how, you know what do I do with a dragonfly how do I make a dragonfly different uh, because that's you know there are only so many ideas unique ideas in the world right and then how do you take an idea that's already been done a million times and make it different and I couldn't come up with anyone who'd ever done a fire breathing dragonfly so there's a gigantic fire-breathing dragonfly, Nor, in the series. Yeah. That's so cool. Meet her later in the series. She's pretty cool. You need cool. a statue of, of Nor. You said her name's Nor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need a statue of Nor, Vicky. I think you would love that. I that would so. be cool. I could see it over a fountain. Like, you could, you know, have, like, uh, a red light. So when ooh, it came ooh. over, it looked like fire. Ooh, that would yes. Be, that would be Send cool. me a picture when you get that. Yeah, I'm totally <laughs> going to work on that. My new hobby. 
I do know a blacksmith, maybe. Let's see. The people you meet, right? Yeah. Let's see. If you could have one story turned into a movie or TV series, which one would it be? Which story? I think the I think Water White would make a great Netflix series mm-hmm. because my chapters my chapters are are scenes mm-hmm. and each one ends pretty much on a on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. I think I think it would make an awesome story. There are so many characters in there that are just visually stunning. Mm-hmm. Thunder, my multicolor swirling jaguar who again came to me in a dream. This well, where else would a multicolored yeah. swirling uh, jaguar come from, right? Yeah. I mean, it has to be. Yeah. <laughs> and his name's Thunder, and he's just this cool dude. I really like him. Um, just so many awesome things that visually would be stunning. So That's fantastic. That would be a fun series, actually. And technology yeah, is caught Netflix, up with our imagination. Netflix, Netflix you out there? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Call us. I'll start we working on screenplays. <laughs> <laughs> and let's see if... We got that one. So let's see. Dark Ebb. You, you kind of answered that one. We're good. Because I was going to ask, what is it about horror that you find compelling? But I think you pretty much answered that. Yeah. It, just, it, it excites me. It surprises me. Mm-hmm. Because some of my stories, again, I'll be outside. And a lot of times I won't know what's going to happen next mm-hmm. until I'm out on a walk or on, right. on a paddleboard or something. And then... Mm-hmm you hear something or whatever, and it just hits you. I mean, even on the paddleboard too, mm-hmm. I was um, floating on the lake and I had my ear to the paddleboard and my husband was pad- uh, in his kayak paddling. And I just heard this rhythmic splashing and it sounded like a heartbeat to me in the water. And nice. that's how, that's how I ended up with a kind of a tragic octopus situation in book two of water, white, water, white flux. There had mm-hmm. to be this octopus. So Yeah crazy things where you get your ideas from. That's clever. If I heard a heartbeat in the water, I'd be like, can I get out of here now? Thank you. (laughs) Well, what hobbies do you enjoy to refill your creative cup? Well, we already talked about puzzling and I was Mm -hmm. never a puzzler until the pandemic, right? Until COVID. And I wasn't an alcoholic before COVID. So, (laughs) you know, we're good. (laughs) I have a new hobby too. I do like my scotch. Um, <laughs> my friend, my my co-author Nadine Collier, uh, for the P, uh, piece by piece ten lessons from a jigsaw puzzle book. Um, she had purchased a puzzle for me when she was visiting me. She lives in Michigan, and it was a thousand piece, two thousand piece puzzle. We bought a two thousand piece puzzle and a five hundred piece puzzle. And while she was here, we finished the five hundred piece together. I had never done a puzzle before, and, <gasps> and she did most of it. She did most of it. Oh. So when she left. All of a sudden, we're in a pandemic, and I'm like, well, let's just pull out the 2,000-piece one. How hard can that be? <laughs> Four months later. <laughs> later. Yeah. You know, finally finished it. And she and she's the one who said, you know, you ought to write a book about lessons you learned from that experience. And normally when people say you ought to write a book about, you know, you just kind of say, yeah, I got enough of my own ideas. Uh, but this idea really excited me, and I thought, this could be fun. You know, I said, so if I said, if you help me, you give me some of the, you know, chapter ideas, Mm -hmm. I'll come up with what I learned. And then she's a counselor. She's a licensed professional counselor. You can, at the end of each chapter, provide your reflections and some questions for reflection. So we worked on that together. But um, so puzzling is one of my things. Uh, Walking. I love walking because, I mean, how, how can you not with just 
mountains all around you and it's it's gorgeous so i get a lot of ideas there and i always take my phone with me and i use the voice app, uh, the voice memo app when i get ideas out there um and my ducks i mean my ducks i th- they're I grew up in the suburbs of Boston, okay, in a cracker white neighborhood, mm-hmm. right, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't know suburbs what a duck was. Well, yeah. I, I couldn't have told you the difference between a duck and a, a dove. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of a sudden, here we are, you know, we have a little bit of acreage. And, you know, my husband said, we should, you know, do some homesteading stuff. And we got the garden. And we should have chickens. or du-. So he researched chickens and ducks. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, okay, all right, I'm going to be taking care of chickens and ducks. And he decided that ducks were more hardy for the cold environment. Uh-huh. And so I did all the research, you know, researched a couple months, and we ordered the ducks. And so I just, I love them. They make me laugh every day. They're so funny. They're so ridiculous. So I sing to them, and they follow me. They follow me to the garden. And so my ducks, I do that. And I like to read. I like to read all, again, all different genres. Because mm-hmm. um, I think as a writer, if you don't read a lot, and if you don't read widely, mm-hmm. uh, you're limiting your yourself. As, 100% as a, agree. Oh. 100% agree. So your ducks, what do you do with them in the cold? Like, do you bring them in the garage? Do you have, yeah. like, what, what do you do? So we set up this pen. It's like mm-hmm. a uh, eight by eight foot metal pen that's six foot tall with a door on it and it's wrapped in uh, canvas for the winter um and so you know and we we sunk cinder blocks so no critters could get underneath so they're safe at night uh open it up during the day and they they play under the trees and we have a a fenced area around the yard so they just kind of chill out during the day and we put them in at night so excellent yeah excellent and i pick up the eggs in the morning they started laying. They were five months old when I got the first egg. And it was just oh. like, oh, my gosh. Every day I go out there, it's like Easter mm-hmm. because I never know what, how many I'm going to find or where I'm going to find them. Because ducks will lay eggs anywhere. Anywhere. They don't need brooding boxes. They just they'll, they'll lay them by the door. They'll lay them, yeah, anywhere. It's pretty funny. It's hilarious. you got to be careful where you walk. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> egg shells, though. The duck egg shells are really hard. <laughs> um, remember I told you my mom has chickens? Yeah. Well, now she's in the chat saying she wants ducks, but Vicky's telling her no ducks. <laughs> oh, oh, ducks! They're they're cuter than chickens too. They really are. They're just well, adorable. Not she, she's not going to get rid of her chickens. She just wants to add. <laughs> add ducks. I go to my YouTube channel, and and follow my COVID duck chronicles because I started that too, oh. and you know that takes a lot of time chronicling the whole you know from birth to now and and. And I started a TikTok account, Laurel the Duck Wrangler, because, you know. Laurel the Duck Wrangler, that's awesome. <laughs> all, these, all these things that are keeping me from writing. <laughs> right. Yeah, if anything, when you become a writer, you learn to be very creative in your procrastination. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, that's awesome. Sorry. Sorry about the ducks. <laughs> they're, they're, really, they're really happy about the ducks in the chat, let me tell you. I love my ducks. Yeah. Some people say we need a whole, uh, an entire army of ducks. <laughs> Vicky says zero ducks. <laughs> and I occasionally have my ducks in a row. It's wonderful. Every now and again. Well, you know, the snow is deep enough, which you did just get a whole bunch of snow, didn't you? You could just like yeah. dig one path. Well, they, they just waddle through the snow. It's really? Oh yeah. They don't care. They're yep. like, whatever. We're good. As long as we're yeah. fed. 
Yeah. Well, speaking of like your TikTok and your um, YouTube, I know you also do a podcast called Alligator Preserves. So, yeah. and on that, I loved it. It was very eclectic. So it seems like you're eclectic too. So that's fun. So I saw you have interviews with authors. You have some day, day in the life entries. Um, you you uh, even read some of your short fiction or nonfiction on there. So why did you decide to start this podcast? Well, I started my website uh, back in 2011. That seems like a million years ago, doesn't it? And It is, isn't it? Pretty sure it is. Yes. Ah, 2011. And I would post fairly um, regularly. And then I decided, you know, no one, no one's going to go to a website and read back a million years, you know, mm -hmm. read through all the different things. And I had also hired someone to narrate the first book of Water White for me. So the first book of Water White's available uh, on audiobook. And after paying for that, I thought, boy, maybe I should narrate my own books. <laughs> so my husband agreed and got me the equipment. And I decided, well, you know, before I figure out how to narrate books, I could narrate some of the stuff that I've already written. And I could, you know, have people on. So it just, it just was an evolution, I guess, into mm -hmm. the next, you know, medium. That sounds fun. Yeah. And it's fun. I love podcasts. They're fun. Yes. Yeah. So keep in mind, everyone write that down. Alligator Preserves, because Alligator. I shall be on that. I'm going to be on it soon. So you, I'm going to let y'all know. You are going to be on it soon. And, and yeah. I like naming things. And, you know, you probably wonder, Alligator Preserves, you know, where'd that come from? Um, our oldest son both of our sons really love puns. So my, my husband uh, was in emergency management and he was down for the, uh, the Irma floods down in uh, the, the Florida. Mm -hmm. and, and he called one day and, and I was concerned because, you know, all the flooding and I know about gators and all that kind of stuff. And, and I asked him, I'm like, are you, are you in any danger? Are you seeing any alligators? And he said, not seeing any alligators, but we're passing a lot of alligator preserves. And so my oldest son happened to be on the phone too. And he's like, oh, those are the most dangerous kind of preserves, you know, to, to eat. You know, so it's, it's a ridiculous story. And maybe <laughs> alligator preserves. <laughs> I love that. I mean, they jar about anything. Yes. So, you know, it could very well be alligator preserves I know. somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere. Uh -huh. Yeah. Pickled alligator. I don't know. Yeah, well, we've we've eaten the alligator on a stick at Renfest. Does that count? Ooh. Yeah, I mean, it was pieces of alligator. It's not like it was a whole alligator or anything. Did it taste like chicken? It actually tasted like chicken and shrimp had a baby. <laughs> yeah, it was the wow. weirdest combination, but that's exactly what it tastes like. <laughs> yep. So if you're ever wondering, yeah, um, tech or uh, tech guru Zafo, he's like gator po boys. Yeah, we eat a lot of gator po boys too. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's see, what is your idea of a vacation? Oh, vacation. Oh, vacation. I do love paddleboarding. And we typically, if we ever get vacation, go to Moab. Have you been to Moab? I have not. It's on my oh. list, though. Oh, you've got to go. Mm -hmm. Arches and, and the river goes through there. And it's 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 beautiful. So um, well, I've been to Arches, the Arches Park in Utah. Yeah. That's part of the name. I've been there, but I've not been to yeah. Moab. Okay. All right. Uh, lots to do there. Uh, we used to have a trailer. Someday we might get one again. So like camping, but really, if I'm totally honest mm -hmm. and I've never done this before, 
but I would love to go to a monastery or something and do a silent retreat. Oh my gosh. For, I don't know, a week or two weeks. I, I just, I just think that would be memorable. So that would be my idea of, of any vacation I could take. I would want to go do a silent retreat somewhere. Nice. I think they'd kick me out in four hours. But I would want massages too. And I don't know if they'd do that oh. at a monastery. Yeah. <laughs> massages requirement. I massages. like that. I couldn't even be quiet through the massage though. Seriously, that would not work. They would kick my butt out quick. Um, let's see. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? This is our big, important question. Well, it depends on the season, of course. Mm. If it's summertime, then it's mint chip for sure. And if it's wintertime, then pistachio. Ooh. It's like creamier and, you know, it has the pistachio nuts in it. And so that makes it healthy. And, <laughs> and for each of them, though, each of them has to have a little drizzle of, of Hershey's dark chocolate syrup on them. I like that. I like the way you but think. But no whipped cream. No whipped cream because whipped cream's fattening, right? <laughs> You won't want any whipped cream on the ice cream. That's so good for you. <laughs> I do that at Starbucks. I get the, you know, white chocolate mocha with all the stuff in it. Oh, but no whipped cream. Thanks. No whipped cream. It's healthy now. It's good. I cut those calories right in half. <laughs> um, what's the first thing you put in your grocery cart as an impulse buy? So not the thing on your list, but the oh. thing you were just like, oh, I kind of have to have that. And you throw it in your cart. Well, that would probably be seasonal too. Like, like today, today I stopped myself from throwing in a couple of packs of peeps. I stopped yes. myself. Uh, I love peeps. Don't it, it's, it's horrible. But <laughs> if, if, if it's not peep season, mm -hmm. then it would be a, a Snickers bar. Excellent. And they always put them right at the register. The very big knees. And, 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 they hand, yeah, and they hand it to you like you're going to eat this on the way out of the store, right? Because <laughs> they know. Yeah. They're like here. Just, yeah, I don't want you to have to search through the bags. <laughs> oh my God, before I get home. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's funny because the Easter candy. Easter candy, for some reason, is more tempting than Halloween candy for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we just went to Target and, and my daughter needed a new book bag. So we went to get her book bag and the book bags were right beside the Easter candy. I'm like, are you kidding me? Choose a bag quick. We got to go. <laughs> oh, but I resisted too. So there must just be something going on. Hmm. I won't resist for long though. No, me either. <laughs> no, no. Wait till they go on sale. <laughs> That's right. I don't have little kids anymore. I could buy all the Easter candy cheaper after yeah. Easter. Yeah. Um, well, so who has inspired you along the way? Who has inspired me? I know I'm asking the easy questions now. <clears throat> like for my writing or for life? However you would like to answer it. My, hu my husband constantly inspires me. I'll just, I'm going to put that right up there. Is that where the horror on... stories? We talked about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're going on 38 years now. I oh, met him yeah, at West congratulations. Day. Yeah. And he just, uh, he constantly inspires me because his standards for himself are, are so high and he, he doesn't inflict those on me, but he motivates me. So he inspires me for life things. Um, as far as writing goes and reading, oh, this will really date me. Oh, I, I, I got lost in Louisa May Alcott's little women, little men, Joe's boys. And it's funny because I'm the, like, four, the fourth of five girls and I never pictured myself as a tomboy, but I totally related to Joe. And so that 
I, I got lost in those books as a young girl. Then let's see. Oh, I think I think of Robin Cook's Coma. I think I probably read that when I was a teenager. And that, oh my God, I literally was sitting on the edge of my seat, like tapping my foot reading that. And, and maybe, maybe that that was the seed of the horror stuff in my head. Yeah. Oh, I'm just getting that now. Sat there I that whole time. Mm-hmm. Oh my, yeah. That was horrifying to me. And I loved it. Um, of course, Steinbeck, you know, Grapes of Wrath and Travels with Charlie, which is hilarious and, and wonderful. And he's, he just does his dog so well. Um, Neil Gaiman. I, I didn't even read any of Neil Gaiman's stuff until um, so, someone said that, like, part two of Water White was reminiscent of Coraline. And I'm like, whoa, Coraline. I should read Coraline. And so I read Coraline, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I can see this. I can see this. See the resemblance. Yeah, and I actually, I actually went to a, a Neil Gaiman uh, talk when he came to Denver in 2018. That was awesome. He's, He's a amazing. dynamic speaker. Oh, I know. Quite. Oh, yeah. Why do you do both? But he does. I know. Oh, he's so good. Oh, there are so many people. Irma Bombeck, because I love humor. I mean, I tried. I try to put humor in whatever I can. Mm-hmm. I try to find the humor in every situation. So she was a big inspiration earlier on. Oh. Robert Kingsolver, a lot of, lot of inspirations there everywhere. I get inspiration and ideas from everywhere. I love it. I love it. The, let's see, uh, West Point. Rumor has it you're a West Point grad. Yes, I am. So long ago, far away. First, impressive. Second, have you brought any of your military experience into your writing? Well, I'm actually working on that right now. So. I graduated a few decades ago mm-hmm. and people have always asked, you know, when are you going to write about that? When are you going to write about that? So I decided I would do, and my husband actually suggested, he said, you should do a military romance because that's would be a new genre. And I thought, okay. It's actually I, a popular I, genre. I could, I could try that. I could mm-hmm. try my hand at that. And then another friend said, you should set it in the future. And then kind of like with my dream and water white, my head exploded. <laughs> and I thought, Oh, that would be so much more fun mm-hmm. to do that. Yep. And I could use what I learned at West Point in, in the Army uh, and launch it 300 years in the future and tweak things and use what I know. That's so awesome. that's in the works. That'll be fun. Yeah. yeah, the chat thinks that would be fun too. Yeah. I'm awesome. really looking forward to get. I'm, I'm on Chapter 12, I think. Nice. Um, the first, and, and I want to, I want to make it so that that it can be a standalone, kind of like Water White. But I know it's going to be a series. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, Roger suggests Space Navy, though it should be Space Army. <laughs> Love is only a spacewalk away. You know what, Roger? Stick to programming. Cause it's this, sorry, it's not. No. no. I mean, you, I love you. <laughs> I, I look forward to reading your book with that title. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Get on it. You're next. I'll publish it. It'll be great. Um, so what project that's in progress or not started are you most excited about? Well, this one, the one, the, the one that I just that mentioned. One? So, yeah. That's uh, awesome. This one also, and again, when whenever you decide to write a book, you have to figure out, well, and if it's, if it's fiction, what point of view are you going to take? Um, so I just finished reading Bernard Cornwell's Saxon series 12 book series i think it's more than 12 but 
he wrote some after the 12 books, but um, The Last Kingdom, Uhtred. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen The Last Kingdom on TV. I have you know, not. With hunky Uhtred, yeah. Uh, so he, I'm going to see he, it now. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's good. It's really good if you're into that. Like candy. Oh, I mean serious dramas. He's, yeah, yeah, serious stuff with totally well, serious things and, yeah, serious <laughs> bods. Anyway, um, so he wrote that series from the perspective of himself as an old man looking back at his life and telling the stories and he did it so well that it just inspired me to try that for my next series so that's what I'm going to do um so it'll be a looking back but because whatever he was describing was so right in your face and right now and very vivid and very exciting uh but he could then put in little tidbits of you know things that he new you know looking back um so so that's what i'm really excited about <laughs> continuing to work on now that's awesome it's fun to try a different perspective it is yeah hmm? keep yeah. it interesting yeah yeah the hair raising truth the, uh, this one um yes. this was this was a this was a three-day novel writing question uh writing com contest really uh, yes that a friend of mine, Stephanie Smong, suggested we do. And so she came over to my house on this three-day thing, and, and we kicked our my husband out, and we we stacked food and drinks all around the house. And I said, you can have the, that room, and I'm going to have this room, and we can't talk unless we happen to bump in the kitchen. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to knock something out in three days. And she worked on a longer piece, part of a longer oh. piece, and I ended up doing this, The Hair, Raising Truth, the novella. And... Um, it was so much fun, but I I also decided for this one that I was going to use a second person perspective, which you don't see very often or or read very often. And again, Rod Serling's voice was in my head. Mm -hmm. And if for any of you Twilight Zone fans out there, you know, you're you're walking down a street. You know, it's a dark alley. You see a light at the end of the alley. You know, you shouldn't go into, but you you do. So it's that it's that you you you. Uh -huh. uh, oh, that would really be fun to try that. So that's what I did with that book. Well, it's a great thing for a novella too, right? Like it's a great thing to experiment with, to really look at that. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. 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 What? Oh, nice. Okay, Roger wants to know if you had something created into a series, what control would you want over the script? Oh, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Total control. <laughs> That's desired, right? Total control. Total control. <laughs> I guess it would depend on the tweaks that were made. Uh, it, it's it's frustrating to see movies after reading books. Um, I I just read Truman Capote's Breakfast at Tiffany's, which I had never read before. I've had for decades, and I finally decided I was going to read it. And oh my gosh, of course. I, I close the book and I think, what am I, what am I doing writing? Because ugh, it's it just so be like that. incredibly well written. And then I, I haven't seen the movie, but I went and looked at the plot line for the movie and the movie just is not the book. And so he must've been horribly disappointed by what they did with it. Um, I kind of still want to see the movie because, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to compare. Um, I, I think One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is the one book that I've read where the movie with Jack Nicholson actually 
it was so close to the book. Nice. So how much control do I want? I don't know. I'm flexible. See that? I'm going to say it depends, right? Because like I, I laugh because yeah. Jim Butcher's idea is always the check cleared. I don't, <laughs> I don't care. They bought the rights to it and the check cleared. I paid medical for my family. I'm good. So it's it's a very business way to look at it where J.K. Rowling's like she must control every single aspect of what's going on. So, you know, there's kind of a I think if whoever bought it loved it, then let them have it. I'm easy to work with. Yeah. Yeah, as long as they loved it. Right, right. Because if they loved I mean, it, they'll do fine. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the visuals in it oh, are <laughs> stunning. That's the fun stuff, man. All right, well, you know, that's it. We only have one question left. That's we've it. done it. Laura, we've, we've done, done it. it. We've done that's it. All? That's it. One last question. You ready? Yeah. Where can fans find you and your work? Oh, well, you could go to my website, uh com, which you know it'll it'll pop up it'll say leadvillelaurel.com because we lived in leadville uh, colorado for 12 years before we moved down here to salida and if you know anything about leadville it's this tiny little town set at 10,200 feet elevation we were in a beautiful victorian house that's where i wrote most of my books it's a beautiful place so leadville laurel i had to be leadville laurel because of the alliteration right so i kept that anyway <laughs> leadvillelaurel.com um, I'm on Facebook, author Laurel, Laurel McCarg, Twitter, Leadville Laurel. If you put Leadville Laurel in anything, I will come up. Um, my podcast, Alligator Preserves, my Twitter, uh, my YouTube page, uh, look up Laurel McCarg or look up COVID D Duck Chronicles and you'll find me. <laughs> I kind of some people over. who probably are already looking it up right now. They were so excited <laughs> about the ducks. <laughs> I'm on uh, Amazon. Um, all my books are in paperback and Kindle. Um, Ingram has them too. Uh, I will be working on narrating the books someday. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. So we are going to, for everyone who Laurel is their new favorite author, please make sure to review her books and please review this podcast. Um, we'd love to hear what you think and what you would like us to do and we would love to do it because we're so excited about it and we love it and thank you for coming and we will see you next week with author larry hoy thank you kelly